This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL with you once again, this time on a Thursday, April the 8th, 2021. And it's not just any Thursday, kids, here on the old podcast. We have a special guest joining us on the show today. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com, jumps on board. We're going to have some fun topics to go around. We're going to go outside the program a little bit. Sometimes we like to get some eyes and ears more so from the national landscape to give us their thoughts on Alabama football and Alabama athletics in general. So Chris is going to help us do that. But Chris, as we bring you in here, it is a national holiday unlike any other. (laughs) And that, of course, is Thursday at the Masters. I know you, like myself, big fan of the pro golf on the cable. So here we go. You ready, Chris? Uh, I am indeed. My favorite thing to do in the spring is to sit back on Sunday, maybe have my laptop open, do a little work on the side, but mostly just watch whatever golf tournaments on Saturday and Sunday once we kind of get out of football season. And uh, there's no better event to do that during the Masters. And I, I'm not working during the Masters. I want to make that clear. It's my first priority, but uh, it's it's a great time. I'm unfortunately going to be at a wedding on Sunday. Ah, jeez, uh, Chris. But uh, yeah, we talked about that. I told you about this procedure that I use that I think you could employ this weekend. It, it's it's in association with the not my bad rule in the fall. Like if you get <laughs> married in the fall, I have this not my bad rule. If I don't show up for your fall wedding. Well, I have a couple wild cards that sort of spin off of that rule for the fall. And Masters weekend is one in which you can apply the not my bad rule if you don't show up for that wedding this weekend. Now, you may have spousal you know, or uh, you know, significant other pressure here, which if that's the case, I don't know if I can help you with that, Chris. <laughs> Grooms, groomsman pressure here. Uh, I, I got made you. the cut. Yeah, and, that's uh, heat. I can't, I can't get out of that one, unfortunately. But uh, I will take advantage of our uh, home company's Paramount Plus app, and we'll be watching uh, from the location of the wedding <laughs> for sure. And uh, – Hopefully my phone stays charged because I'm going to want to keep up. I like how you tied that back into the company. Company guy, Chris. Hey. It's it's true, though. Uh, CBS Sports and that Masters app, uh, you can't go wrong. You're right. You'll be absolutely still connected with those type of, uh, those type of uh, technological wizardry at your fingertips this weekend. You got um, you, but I will, be, I will be printing out in the future some of your kind of get-out-of-it weekend cards. Yeah, not my bad. Not my bad card. It's, not my bad. It, it, it's, it spans from – it'll take you from Labor Day weekend through the national championship game, a couple weeks into January, and then you have like two wild cards 
in the off season that come with that kit. I've got a kit that I actually put together. I'll get that out to you. I'll get, that, I'll get <laughs> I'll your address after the show out. and we'll ship you out the not my bad kit. It's a starter kit, but it'll get you going. We'll do that uh, here in just a little bit. You know what else, Chris Hummer? We are emanating here in Tuscaloosa from what is now a basketball school. Thank you very much. Alabama coming off a top five finish on the hardwoods under Nate Oates. Picked up a, a big-time recruit here in the last couple of days and Charles Bediaco. Uh, number three overall recruiting class in men's hoops these days, Chris Hummer. Number one in the SEC. And with that, I know you sit there in Austin, Texas. Not a bad tandem that the Longhorns have formed here in the offseason with Sark and now Chris Beard coming over from Texas Tech, I guess. Yeah, Texas can only hope it works out as well as what uh, <laughs> Alabama's put together with Nick Saban and obviously Nate Oates, who uh, has had more recent success. Nick Saban's had a little bit more sustained. But yeah, pretty big hire for Texas with Chris Beard. He was, I know, the guy they were targeting all along. Um, they made an aggressive offer, and uh, he's headed to Texas. He's already poached two in-state head coaches uh, as assistants, uh, one from UTEP mm-hmm. and one from UT Arlington. So yeah, I think... I think Chris Beard's ready to have a kind of a Nate Oates-like effect on uh, Texas hoops. I think Chris is already enjoying that UT checkbook that they've got in Austin. You know, they had a checkbook in Lubbock, not quite as big, I don't think, as that checkbook uh, there in uh, Austin, Texas. But when you talk about new coaches, new coach hires in this offseason, I, I don't know how many Power Five type athletic departments made changes at both football and the men's basketball jobs, but this one. Texas has got to be at the top of that list in terms of new hires with uh, with Beard and Sark and even Vic Schaefer and the women's basketball took the Longhorns to the Elite Eight in his first year on the job. So Yeah, uh, I was about to say, Chris, Chris Del Conte, the athletic director, is hired uh, in the last year for football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and softball. So like four of the yeah. probably six biggest sports on campus. Uh, he's had to make hires, and now he has to replace Eddie Reese, who is the GOAT of uh, swimming coaches. So he's he's been busy. Yeah, Texas kind of reminds me of Florida that way. When you talk about total athletic department and the attention given to it and sort of the expectations in every sport in the department to compete at a championship level, I do have a lot of respect for Texas and the University of Florida. When you look at like SEC team titles, it's University of Florida is like 100 ahead <laughs> of the next closest department in the SEC. And it's because the Gators have always been – uh, department-wide and their focus uh, when it comes to their team. So let me ask you this, though, Chris. If you look around football and college basketball right now, best football and men's basketball tandem in place right now. And, and look, Nick Saban, I guess you could put me with him, and it would be <laughs> top five. Uh, but I got to think, what would you think? Saban and Oates, and then Ohio State, I guess you would put up there, too. Um doing extremely well and in both sports uh, uh, with those hires here in the last couple of years. Um, who would you put up there? You know, there was that time, I guess, at Florida you had, what did you have, Urban Meyer and Billy Donovan? Yeah. That was pretty strong, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's about as good as it gets. Uh, two-time national champion, head coach in basketball, two-time national head coach in football, um, two legends of the sport. Billy Donovan's been a longtime NBA coach for now, and Urban's now coaching the Jags, so that's pretty high up there. But in terms of right now, like Alabama, I think, is a pretty clear number one with what Nick Saban's accomplishment accomplished and what Nate Oates has accomplished uh, since he's got there. I think Florida is still in that mix. Um, Dan Mullen, Mike White, 
Uh, they do a pretty good job. Ohio State's definitely in that mix. Uh, Michigan, depending with a question mark. <laughs> with Jim that was, a Ron, and that was a Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Question mark at the end of that one. Yeah. I, I, hear I think. I think so. I think he's. I think they're still top five, probably. So that's got to be still potential hot. there. Still potential, and that one's interesting because it's kind of flipped around. Jawan Howard has got Michigan basketball, where you expected uh, Jim Harbaugh to have the football team three or four years ago. It's Absolutely. kind of a one eighty there. Let me give you this one. If I had told you ten years ago, Chip Kelly's going to be the head football coach at UCLA, and Mick Cronin just took the Bruins to the Final Four and played Gonzaga off their feet in that national semifinal last Saturday night. Wouldn't you have thought, yeah, Chip Kelly and Mick Cronin, that would be one of them? We don't don't really talk about that, though, with UCLA. Yeah, I would think so. I think Mick Cronin's success even came a little bit, it came as a bit of a surprise to those in Los Angeles. Like, one of my good friends is a huge UCLA basketball fan, and they did not have that type of expectation this (laughs) year. So that was a bonus, but in terms of Chip Kelly, yeah. Like, I don't think anybody thought that was going to be a a failure of a hire, and it might not be. Uh, UCLA returns almost everyone this year. They're a sneaky kind of pick in the Pac-12 South along with USC and Arizona State, so they could make some noise. But I thought Chip Kelly would have it rolling, and here we are. And UCLA's football program under Chip Kelly is kind of struggling to kind of keep the water out of the boat. You know what we're just a year away from, by the way, Chris Hummer? We're a year away from completely overhyping Alabama football's visit to your very town for a matchup with Steve Sarkeesian in the Texas Longhorns, September 10th, 2022. Are they already putting up billboards kind of advancing that game? I mean, we only have like 18 months until we get the Longhorns <laughs> in Alabama together out there and uh, out there in Austin. And I'll be coming out there by the way, and I'll be expecting some sort of concierge level uh, direction from Chris Hummer. And when it comes to where I need to eat, you know, and where I need to stay away from maybe on sixth street, right? Because you can run into some problems down there. Am I right on that? I'll do you better than that, man. I'll, we'll treat you to some barbecue. I'll invite the whole uh, Bama Online staff out with uh, me and Hank wow. South and get you some eats. You know uh, I'm recording this, right? You know this is being <laughs> I, recorded. Uh, you can hold me to it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> honestly, I hadn't even thought of it. 2022 sounds like so far away, but that's true. Uh, hopefully Texas doesn't pull in Nebraska and try to get out of that game. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then you got then uh, we'll return the favor. Twenty twenty three, you'll have to come to Tuscaloosa and uh, for that return matchup. You're right though. When these matchups get set, and some of them, to be fair, we're seeing games like twenty thirty five, twenty thirty six, South Florida and Notre Dame, or something like that. You know, Alabama's doing it too. You're like, I don't know where I even sit in a death pool in relation to those dates, but it is. It's going to be a lot of fun a year from now when uh, we get Alabama and. UT together out there on the banks of the uh, Colorado River, it is, right? That runs right there through Austin. Yeah, right through town. You got to go by. I've been there one time. You got to go by and check out the statue for Stevie Ray Vaughan right there on the sort of river walk right there. Pay homage to the great Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, Before we head, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say it's cool. And then they've got a whole, there's a museum right next to campus that's got a whole Stevie Ray Vaughan exhibit. It's pretty cool. Oh, really? I haven't seen that. That will certainly be on the to-do list. I may have to come out. I may have to come out like Tuesday, you know, <laughs> and really survey, get a feel. Do some advanced scouting. You know? Yeah, get a feel 
for the uh, the venue and everything else. Might have to do that. Uh, before we head to a break uh, with Chris Summer, national college football writer, of course, for us there at 247sports.com. I know you and Trey Scott recently touched on this and uh, one of your collabs on the College Football Daily. Uh, do a great job with that, by the way, Trey Scott, the national editor for 247sports.com. And you guys touched on the transfer portal uh, for football. It, it seems to be slowing down at this point. Uh, but where might it be headed once we get past this anticipated passage of the one-time transfer rule? And then I, I'm guessing that you're factoring in maybe where guys find themselves post-spring practice and, and what this could mean for, say, the month of May and even into June? Yeah, we were averaging well over 100 entries per week uh, from probably early December, mid-December to mid-February. Like, sometimes it was over 200. And then kind of in the last month and a half, we've only seen like 100, 150 total enter. So we've really kind of seen it slow down. But I think as we all know, things start to pick back up when spring practice comes around. Players aren't happy with their place on the depth chart. Players don't necessarily get along with the new staff. They don't feel like they fit well within the scheme. Coaches, frankly, try to kind of shed some roster numbers that um, <laughs> they don't necessarily need to clear up scholarship space. So a lot of stuff happens that kind of um, brings portal entrance to the fold. But I think that the important thing is next week, the Division One Council is supposed to meet um, following the Final Four like they do every year. And one thing on the kind of to-do list for them is to vote on the one-time transfer exception. And that is expected to pass uh, based on a bunch of reporting and everybody I've talked to as well. Um, so when that goes into place, essentially players have four or five years to play four. And once during that period, they'll be able to transfer without kind of the penalty of sitting out that one year in residence. And uh, it's going to be a mon- monumental change in kind of the college athletics landscape. Yeah, and then there's the intra-conference rules to consider. We know the ACC has already done away with its rule. There seems to be a strong sentiment, right, that the SEC when others would follow suit? I I would say the expectation is, and this is not like confirmed, and it depends on how they write the rules. I've heard a couple people say the expectation is the NCAA's rules will supersede inter-conference transfers in this instance. Oh, wow. Because the Big 12 has a really punitive rule where you have to sit out a year if you transfer within the conference, no matter what, even if you get a waiver from the NCAA saying you don't have to. Um, So uh, talking to like one or two people out here, they think the NCAA's rule will supersede that and will kind of render that moot. Um, There's a lot to be determined. And I know uh, a guy like Henry Toa Toa, I think, has a pretty close eye on that rule, particularly with interconference stuff. Um, so Toa Toa Watch. Yeah, Toa Toa Watch here yeah. in Tuscaloosa. Uh, so we'll see what happens with the Tennessee linebacker that is in the portal. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and we come back with Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 247sports.com. We're going to get Chris's viewpoint on Alabama's five most intriguing football players for the upcoming season, not named Bryce Young. Don't worry your little heads, though. If you are hungry for some Bryce Young talk, we're also going to get into what kind of season, assuming Bryce Young is the starter and all signs point to that right now, what kind of 2021 season would constitute Young living up to the hype as a first-year starter? We'll get into that with Chris Hummer and more when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with more of the Bama Online podcast. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL, joined by 247sports.com national college football writer Chris Hummer. If you haven't already subscribed to all the great podcasts that 247sports.com puts out there, well, you need to do that including the College Football Daily, which Chris Hummer regularly appears on there at the national level. And then, of course, right here, the Bama Online Podcast. You can do both. It's easy, simple as a click or two. They're both absolutely free, and I know uh, the College Football Daily and other folks associated with our podcast would certainly love a rating and a review while you're there. So, Chris, let's do it. Five most intriguing Alabama football players for the upcoming season, not named – Bryce Young. Now we can go five to one. We can just throw them out there. We can go one to five. It's totally up to you. However you have them listed. Let's get your first offering on that list. I've got it five to one because I know how to keep the suspense going. Uh, (laughs) I have Christian Harris as my fifth player. Um, I know he's, he's not new to Alabama fans by any means. But it really has been, it feels like, since 2016 when Rashawn Evans was there when Alabama truly had elite inside linebacker play. Um, Mm -hmm. Dylan Moses was good uh, when healthy, but I don't think he ever quite reached the level many of us expected him to. And I think Christian Harris, with his athletic profile and his pass as a cornerback, uh, he runs like a cornerback. And he has kind of bolted up to play inside. He has a lot of responsibilities, kind of that Mike at Alabama, which the expectations he's going to be this year. And I think if he can kind of step up to an All-American level, it gives Alabama's defense a chance to be elite in a way it hasn't been in a couple of years. And obviously the definition of elite defenses has changed. Nick Saban's mentioned that quite a few times in the last year. But I think if they can have that elite traffic cop in the middle, that All-American caliber, first-round pick level traffic cop at Mike Linebacker, Alabama's defense has a chance to be really, really good. And I think Christian Harris can be that guy, which is why I'm so intrigued by him going into next year. Yeah, every down guy. He was really an every down guy even last year. You know, they would keep both inside linebackers on the field a good bit, something they haven't done all that often in the Nick Saban era. I'll stay at inside linebacker, and I'll go with Jalen Moody, guy that's been a career reserve, saw him in bits and pieces last season, especially against Arkansas when Christian Harris went out of that game on the first snap of the contest, and Jalen Moody was very impressive. So whereas we talk a ton about Henry Toa Toa, and understandably so for a couple of reasons, you're talking about a proven SEC starter, a guy that Alabama was intensely involved with on the recruiting trail a couple of years ago. Jalen Moody is showing signs of not having to take a back seat to anyone. Nick Saban was asked about Moody Following Wednesday's practice, he was very positive in his response. And Moody, going into his fourth year in the program, he's been around. He knows what's expected. And kind of a bonus with Jalen Moody, too, is that while he hasn't qualified for a redshirt up to this point in his career, he does have that free year from 2020 in his back pocket if you're thinking beyond the upcoming season. Who you got next, Chris? Let's hear it. I kind of cheated. I've got two guys there, but um, two guys that I'm sure Alabama fans are talking a lot about, which are J.C. Lantham and Tommy Brockermeyer. 
Um, that right tackle position, Alabama, opposite Evan Neal. Obviously, Evan Neal is going to slide outside or going to slide to left tackle. Um, he's a guy that I think everybody expects to be an All-American candidate. But I, I know Tommy Brockenmeyer pretty well. I live in Texas. Um, I know his dad a little bit. Um, I know how elite he is, but for the number one and the number two offensive tackles in the country in 2021 to kind of come in in the same class and be there at the same time is really intriguing, especially when you consider, I think one of them will probably end up starting at right tackle for Alabama. I think Tommy's probably a little more ready. Um, JC was more of an athlete early in his career. I know he played basketball um, and he's got the frame to really be an elite tackle down the line, but Tommy is about as college ready as it gets. So I'm really intrigued about that battle this spring and heading into the fall. And I'm also really interested to see if one of those two can kind of be that next Alabama offensive tackle as a freshman. We've seen it happen plenty of times over the years, and I think both have the potential to kind of really bolster that line immediately. I'm going to go. I'll stay on the offensive line with you and go with Chris Owens, one of those super seniors around college football. Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. It is crazy. Chris Owens is still in college. He was in the same <laughs> high school. He was on the same high school team as Shane Bouchelle. Uh, Arlington, Arlington, Texas. Bar. right? Yeah. It's in Texas, mm-hmm. like six years ago. It feels like I remember going out to that school and talking to Chris after practice one day. It just feels like he's been around forever, but I'm really interested. Yeah. They, in how it probably, probably a nickname like Jurassic park or something on the team at th- this point as a, as a six year guy. And it's interesting too, because We've seen a former Alabama center and Brandon Kennedy be a six-year guy after he transferred to Tennessee. Well, now Alabama has one of those guys in Chris Owens, and can he jump in there? We think he can. You've seen enough of him in the college football playoff, and you know how important he's going to be to providing the cohesiveness to that offensive line, which is transitioning with Evan Neal going over to left tackle, and you mentioned the competition at right tackle. Uh, they're dealing with a couple of new first-team guards right now with Emil Echior out for the spring. So I think Chris Owens definitely a guy uh, of intrigue, even six years into his time at Alabama. Who you got next, Chris? Yeah, I, I'm a little biased with our former five stars probably, but I've got Will Anderson. Um, I, I know he was excellent last year as a true freshman, but I, I really do wonder if Will Anderson can kind of turn some of the pressure he created last year he led, I believe he was second in the FBS last year with 60 pressures per PFF college. If he can turn more of those pressures into sacks, um, I think he has got elite quickness off the line, like elite. I remember the first time I ever saw his tape, uh, Hank South showed me, and I did a double take when I saw his first couple snaps <laughs> on huddle just because of how quick he was off the line. It looked like the offensive tackle couldn't even get out of his stance. And we saw that kind of manifest last year as a true freshman uh, with so much pressure, but I think he finished with only seven sacks. I think Will Anderson can easily be a double-digit sack guy. I think Will Anderson could be the best edge rusher in college football next year. Um, so if he can make that transformation, I think that is going to be huge for Alabama's defense. And I, I, I'm just fascinated by Will Anderson just because of his kind of quickness off the ball. He's going to only get stronger kind of in college. I know he, he, came in, he wasn't thin when he came in, but he certainly had some weight to put on. So if you give him another year to kind of refine that technique, get a little stronger— I'm just curious what he's going to be next year because I think he can just be a force. Yeah, Will Anderson and Christopher Allen back, and you're right. His sack numbers it wasn't exceptionally high, but he was. it took him seven games or so to get that first sack, but he was always around the quarterback. I know it got frustrating for him because he was always in the vicinity. He was just coming up a little bit short. 
but once he figured that out, once he started getting home, he had multiple sack games throughout the finish of that 2020 season. So, yeah, I think a lot of folks are going to be interested in Will Anderson. I'll go as sort of a compliment to Will Anderson, especially where you're looking at pass rush potential. And I'll go with Tim Smith because Christian Barmore moving on, uh, really need an interior guy to go along with LeBron Ray in passing situations. I think LeBron is fascinating in his own right, simply because he's a former five-star that unfortunately just hasn't been able to stay on the field due to multiple injuries. But Tim Smith, He's shown some of those qualities of a Deron Payne and a Quentin Williams. So as a second-year guy, does he take that sort of next step and become an every-down option there for the interior of the Alabama defensive line? Who's up next, Chris? And I would say about Tim Smith, he was one of those guys in high school that got better and better every year. He wasn't really in five-star consideration for us until – his senior film came out. And I, I think the natural Alabama trajectory inside is those guys take a year or two to marinate or exploding. So I'm really interested to see uh, how, if he emerges next year is kind of that next potential interior guy. Um, at number two, I've got Jaleel Billingsley. Um, you could have, I wanted to go with some former fast catcher here. You could go a number of directions. I'm certainly interested in Javon Baker and kind of that large glut of freshmen coming in. But I just feel like Billingsley is the type of presence and the type of mismatch that is very rare in college football. I'm not comparing him to Kyle Pitts because he's not like nobody is Kyle Pitts, but he's got some of those qualities in terms of his speed, kind of his length and his size inside to be a mismatch kind of all over the field. We saw a little bit of that, especially late last year after Jalen Waddle got hurt. And I think with so many kind of questions outside of John Mechie at receiver, I know Slade Bolden's back as well. I think Billingsley kind of taking a bigger role within that offense is going to be really huge for Alabama on number one, because he's just kind of a freak. And number two, because he brings so much versatility to the offense. I think it'll be if he's really good, it'll be really huge for Alabama and um, as good. And if he can kind of elevate a little bit more, I think he's a potential first or second round prospect as well. And probably a guy that Bill O'Brien is definitely going to get involved very quickly in that offense come uh, September the 4th with that opener against the University of Miami. Number two for me, I'm going to go off the radar a little bit, probably in the eyes of some people anyway. I'm going to go Keelan Robinson because he was an opt-out, one of the very rare opt-outs that uh, you would see, uh, I guess, more so in the Southeastern Conference, but certainly at Alabama. I think people forget from a couple of years ago, yes, it was mop-up time, but this is a guy who brings that home run ability to the offense. Uh, Brian Robinson, you love the veteran presence that he is. Uh, He is a guy that between the tackles can certainly take care of business, can also do what needs to be done in pass protection. But again, Keelan Robinson, I think he has that sort of dynamic ability that shortly into the upcoming season, he's going to do something and people that aren't as familiar with Alabama are going to say, all right, now who the hell is this guy? Right. There's always that guy for Alabama, it seems, in in a given year that maybe folks outside the program or outside the fan base or media haven't heard as much about. I think Keelan Robinson could be that guy. And that's understanding. Again, it's a very crowded running back position. There's Kamar Wheaton coming in. It's going to add some of that home run ability himself. But I'll uh, I'll throw Keelan in there at number two. Who's your top guy, Chris Hummer? It's a good transition because my top guy actually is in that room, and it's not the projected starter either. It's Trey Sanders. Um, Mm -hmm. Trey has had a really hard time staying on the field. I think everybody knows coming off a hip injury. 
But it wasn't too long ago where he was the top back in the country in the 2019 class. One reason I really like Trey coming out of high school is his ability as a pass catcher. He actually led IMG Academy um, his senior year in receptions and yards. Um, He's dynamic in the open field as well. But I think if he's healthy, he can bring an element to the offense, kind of like Josh Jacobs did as a pass catcher, that nobody else on the roster can or does as well. And he's just kind of a guy you have to root for a little bit. He's had nothing but bad luck. Uh, early in his career. I know there were certainly some transfer rumors about him earlier this offseason. It looks like he's decided to kind of stick around and kind of compete. And if he's healthy, and I know there's so much depth in that room right now. We haven't talked about Jason McClellan, who was a guy who I think averaged like, what, 10 yards per carry last year as a true freshman. Yes, yes. He could could be huge for this offense. But if Trey's healthy, I just really think he brings an element of dynamicism to the unit. He brings some versatility that uh, maybe other backs on the roster don't. And if he is good and he is right, I think he can really, really help the offense. And I'm just, I'm fascinated to see where kind of his career leads him. Yeah, unfortunately, he is intriguing for reasons outside of his control when it comes to his health. And as you said, a guy that even with his five-star status, he's almost taken on this, this designation of underdog because of the situations he's been forced to, to try to come back from. So absolutely pulling for Trey Sanders here moving forward. My number one guy, I'll go with Javon Baker, uh, second year wide receiver, sort of in this traffic jam of first and second year receivers. There was a lot of positive buzz about Baker uh, throughout last summer and going into the season. Obviously you had some just all-time options that were crowding the situation from a opportunity perspective, but that's not the case now. It's wide open for Javon Baker, the rest of those wide receivers, once you get really beyond John Mechie, obviously Slade Bolden probably in that mix too for a top three spot, Xavier Williams, guys like that. But you know, Baker seems to possess a lot of the the attributes that you, you really like in a wide receiver. I, I think the one thing he'll have to answer that will be interesting to see is um, you know, explosive playmaking ability. And we're going to get into some of that coming up in just a minute with the Bryce Young talk. But uh, yeah, I'll go with Baker, Javon Baker up there at the top of that list. And speaking of Bryce Young, as promised, we're going to get into some Bryce Young talk with Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. All right, Chris, just a really simple, unloaded question. Um, what kind of season will constitute Bryce Young living up to the five-star hype in his first year as a starter. Do you have an example maybe of a, of a previous year for a particular quarterback that you're going to draw an analogy to, or uh, do you have some numbers or what, what, what do you have in mind for Bryce Young? I mean, frankly, given his recruiting pedigree, um, his high school pedigree, as much as good as he was um, for matter day uh, throughout his career, I think, I think the obvious kind of example to look at, and maybe this is fair, maybe it's not, but is Spencer Rattler from a year ago for Oklahoma. Um, Spencer Rattler redshirted uh, behind Jalen Hurts, ironically, um, his first year. And then Spencer came out last year. He wasn't the best quarterback in the country, but by late season, he had emerged as a pretty clear top quarterback in the country heading into next year. And he was probably a top 10 quarterback for the year overall, whatever measure you want to look at, PFF, um, QBR, kind of just general passing stats. And Bryce, who 
in a lot of ways, honestly, resembles Spencer, um, both from a frame perspective, what they do kind of well out of structure, accuracy, kind of the ability to kind of play on the move if needed. Um, they have a lot of similarities. And I just, I, I have a hard time believing Bryce won't be that successful. The thing I would also kind of say is similar about those two is um, Spencer came into Oklahoma's system last year, and this is a system I think everybody expects to just uh, be gangbusters all the time. But there were a lot of questions around him. Um, Oklahoma's offensive line was being reworked. Um, a lot of his expected kind of top receiving weapons like Jadon Hazelwood were hurt. Kind of there were a lot of questions about his skill talent. And Alabama's probably in a slightly better position uh, offensively uh, with the skill talent around him and on the offensive line that Spencer was last year. But there are questions like who's going to step up as kind of that number one receiver. I think we all expect John Mechie to do that, but it'll be interesting to see him in his role. Who are kind of the other pieces to come around him? Um, what does that offensive line look like after losing a guy like Alex Leatherwood and uh, Landon Dickerson, two guys who are going to be first or second day picks? Um, so Bryce does have some stuff working against him, but I think when you kind of consider his talent, and you consider his pedigree and his production in the past and the fact that he plays at the program that puts more talent around him than any other. I just I have a hard time believing he won't be a top 10 quarterback next year from the jump. Spencer Rattler in 2020 for the Oklahoma Sooners, 67 and a half percent completion rate, uh, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions, uh, 275.5 per game in terms of yardage. Yeah. I could see that sort of stat line for Bryce Young in 2020, probably more realistic than first-year starter Tua as a true sophomore himself in 2018 when Tua threw for nearly 4,000 yards, came out to two, uh, 265 a game. That was actually less than Spencer Rattler last year. And he had yeah. the 43 touchdowns and the six interceptions. I just, you know... Yeah, the thing obviously that you got to consider with all this is what you've talked about, the supporting cast. And I guess the number I'm most interested in because Alabama's been so explosive the last three or four years, especially Chris, is yards per attempt. You know, Mac Jones last year, uh, he was up there in the low 11s, 11.2 per attempt. Tua in 2019, 2018, 11.3 attempt, 11.2 per attempt. So, that's kind of the number I'll be interested in seeing, not just because of Bryce, but also this next wave of playmakers that are going to try to break in uh, following this this generational type group that Alabama just worked through. Yeah, it's I, I would say first, Bryce averaged 11.1 yards per attempt as a high school senior, so that's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility for him. But I think a lot of that for Tua uh, and Max specifically had to do with the fact that you said – they had a general generational group of talent to kind of throw to, um, I, especially Tua. Tua in 2019 had to be the happiest quarterback in the world because <laughs> you have two guys that legitimately are sub four four guys in Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, whom is probably the quickest and most explosive kind of first step guy I've seen in the seven on seven circuit ever. And then you have Jerry Judy, probably one of the best route runners in recent memory, and Devonte Smith, who just does everything at an elite level. And I I don't think there's one of those players on the roster right now. Um, no offense to John Mechie, who, who could end up being there, but I think physically he's kind of a step behind those other guys. So 
when you talk about explosiveness, which is part of the reason why I mentioned Billingsley earlier, I think he's a guy that can really factor into that. I do wonder if that yards per attempt number is going to have to come down just because Alabama doesn't have those deep threats and those kind of underneath threats to complement them and to keep the defense honest in that way. So that, that'll be interesting to track, but yeah. I, I price will be good either way, but you're right. The explosive factor I think is going to be really, um, really key for Alabama's offense next year. Going back to your Spencer Rattler 2020 comparison, which when you look at it numbers and kind of factor in everything, it makes a lot of sense. I think Rattler looking at it was around nine, eight per attempt. I think that's more realistic going into this season, given all the factors in play. When you talk about Bryce Young in terms of yards per attempt, a little bit under 10, somewhere in the nines. Again, this has been the exception, folks, as we all know, the last three or four years. If Bryce is able to keep it up there in the high 10s or low 11s and attempts, yards per attempt, then, hey, Javon Baker and this freshman class of wide receivers, that 2020 group and Mechie and those guys have had a hell of a year um, for sure. I, I think that'll be a, an absolute uh, signal that that's been the case. And I would say we've seen a lot of record-setting yards per attempt numbers. Um, Mac Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Hurts uh, at Oklahoma, um, Kyler Murray. We had Burrow. Joe Burrow. But mm-hmm. all four of those guys had first-round receivers. Elite. To, Elite. At least one first-round receiver on a lot of those cases. So uh, it'll, I think that number and kind of the explosiveness factor will largely be determined by who steps up at Alabama. That's that's not really on Bryce as much as it is the weapons around him. Well, Chris, I got to say, this has been almost better than Masters Week itself. So, uh, you know, we, we certainly appreciate you always jumping on board here with us and your great contributions to 247sports.com. Be safe at that wedding, man. Don't get busted up there at the you know altar looking at the phone and all that. Don't be that guy, all right? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll have my AirPods in maybe or something in the back. Checking, checking to see where Scotty Scheffler's at. Checking yeah. on Scotty Scheffler you know, or somebody like that in the field for this weekend at Augusta National Golf Club. Thanks again, Chris. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. We thank you as well for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Again, if you haven't, how about a subscription to the podcast, a rating and a review, and a review would be greatly appreciated as well. Until next time, Travis Ryer thanking you. We'll do it again real soon on the Bama Online Podcast.